0: Welcome to The Good Goddess Show, a weekly podcast for women who are fed up, are feeling bloated and tired. I'm your host, Kezie Hall, holistic nutritionist and all-around health geek. Let's dive in to the show. Welcome to this episode, and we are talking about why, when it comes to your health and your body and your eating, things might have felt really hard. That there might just feel like, why is it so difficult for me to feel good and to change my relationship with food and be well? And that's what we're talking about. I am talking about the system that you live in and how it's been set up against you and how it's been set up to make it really hard for you to feel good so I'm going to be sharing with you the five different points or the five different aspects of the system that we live in that I live in that probably you live in that actually make your health difficult and so that you can stop beating yourself up blaming yourself thinking you should be further than you are and just start owning where you're at and have some compassion for that Also, seeing the wider context of your health can be so permission-giving and just really help you to understand, oh, okay, this is what's been going on. So this is going to be a really juicy episode. It's something that I don't hear anybody else talking about in the health space, like nobody I see highlighting and it is so impactful and it makes such a difference to and will explain so much for why you are where you are okay so make sure you have a listen it's going to be so helpful and it feels really impactful and powerful even just recording it um otherwise i hope you are well enjoying the middle of the year la 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 um i am just back in my office we had a couple of days away that was partly really lovely partly overwhelming because it was just me and the kids the whole time which um I now understand why so many parents are like borderline alcoholics. <laughs> I really do get it. You know, sometimes I've had clients come in and be like, you know, I ask how much they drink and they don't even realize it themselves. That they're like, oh, I drink a glass of wine every night. And they think they just drink at the weekends. And then they realize weekend starts maybe on Thursday and finishes on Tuesday. So really, there's like one day in the week. Anyway, that's a total sidetrack. But I totally get that now. Stressful, man. <laughs> so I'm currently in my own life trying to figure out um, what, uh, is there anything that can help with that load in terms of my own stress? Because the situation isn't changing, but I think how I relate to that probably could do a changing. So I'm sure I'll let you know how that goes in the future. Once I have worked on that, um, otherwise I have actually, I haven't been working with that many clients this week because a lot of them have been on holiday, which is great. But no, that's not true. I've just not had as um, heavy a load because so many people are on holiday. But I have been wrapping up with um, a couple of clients and it was just so good. I listened to a Voxer the other day because that's how I check in with my clients in between. And it actually made me cry. There was just a client being like, oh my goodness, Kezia, like her energy has changed, which is the main thing she wanted to work on. She's been losing weight. But like, she's like, honestly, you say a holistic approach but really like so many aspects of my whole life have changed in the last four months. And she was just feeling totally amazed. And I was then feeling really grateful that this is the work I get to do. Like we worked on her energy, we worked on her sleep, we've worked on her weight and all of these like practical things, but also just her whole life shifting um so that she can feel really good and yeah it's just so powerful so so good and I've been loving doing our summer workshops which is exciting so do make sure if you don't know about those go to keziahole.com forward slash workshops and I have not mentioned this on the podcast but I am also offering summer retreats so I'm going to take a couple of minutes to explain a bit more about that because I haven't yet on this podcast and there's limited spaces left I'm only offering a couple of them but if you have been wanting to work with me Um, on a one-to-one, so private, personalized basis, you and me looking into the data, looking into your body, creating a plan, really getting like nitty gritty, (laughs) doing some detective work on it all, on everything, so that you can see some incredible results in a short amount of time with less overwhelm and more ease. Then I'm offering a couple of summer retreats. I've only got limited spaces, a couple of them have been filled already, but these are like condensed versions of my four-month program into a half day online VIP retreat. So where we're just kind of condensing everything and partly one of the reasons I want to do that is means I can offer it to you at a much lower price point and investment um, kind of level. So that hopefully for some of you that really want to do it but are just maybe not sure about investing and working with me to the the degree that my four-month program is or you're not sure you'll need that or maybe financially that's not an option. These summer retreats will probably be way more affordable for you. I'm offering a four-month payment plan as well so that makes the month to month payment over four months really really affordable there's as of recording this only three spaces left there might be less than that And these are online summer retreats. Also, I know the summertime things, your schedule might not be its usual thing. So this means we can, instead of meeting over four months, we just kind of concentrate it all into a day, get all the work done then. And then I'm offering lots of follow-up and Voxer and email support in the months that follow so that you still get that accountability and support and the transformation and the personalized help and lab tests if you want them and all of these kind of things at a way lower price point. Um... And I think it'll be really powerful. I'm really excited to offer these. So go to keziahall.com forward slash retreat keziahall.com forward slash retreat find out more information there and um, you can book in straight away on that page and when you book in there's a 14-day refund guaranteed like 100% get I don't even know how to say it refund thing so that you book in claim your space because these spaces are limited um, and then you have 14 days to change your mind we can chat it through on the phone hop on zoom figure out if it's completely the right fit for you and I would love 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 work with you, and I think this could be such a powerful container for you, maybe, yeah, for all the reasons I've explained, I won't say it all over again, but if you know you need some personalized help, you know you need help, you need guides, you need accountability, you need a plan, you need someone that's actually going to look at you and your body, not just, I don't do generic formulas of like, oh, you have IBS, here's the generic IBS formula, here's the generic thyroid formula, no, it's a holistic approach you want to gather i'll gather all the data i'll do a lot of prep and research work beforehand we'll look into it and you'll just leave with a completely bespoke plan of action and the ongoing accountability and use and support that you need to implement said plan of action okay so keziohall.com forward slash retreat com forward slash retreat <laughs> so pause go there now sign up pick a payment plan Pay in full um Feel free to email me or DM me any questions. Otherwise, let's go on with today's show. Did you hear that I'm doing a fun new thing? This is going to be something that's going to help take stuff off your to-do list. You are going to feel so much clearer, less overwhelmed, really focused, feeling really motivated when it comes to your health and knowing what to eat. It's going to be something that's going to make your life easier and it's going to be free and I'm offering it every week. And no, it's not the podcast because the podcast does all those things as well, but you know, I'm ramping it up. I'm making it even better because I really know that you can feel better. I know that I can help. And what I'm offering every week is two free clarity calls. These are free 20, 25 minute Zoom chats with me where you get my eyeballs on your health and it's twofold purpose for these. What we'll do is over that 20, 25 minutes, because this is something I'm trained in and do every day, I will be able to glean more of, okay, what is going on? What are some of your root causes? I'll be able to begin to figure out what are some of the key imbalances happening and you will leave with clarity of what to focus on. What are the right next steps for you? These calls are also an opportunity where we can find out more about working together. Would that be a good fit for you? What would that look like? What would the lab tests look like? What would your personalized program be? And how would that work together? I would love to have one of these calls with you because you know I love what I talk about here on the podcast is having that personalized approach based on your unique body. But I can't do that when I'm doing a podcast that thousands and thousands of people listen to. But in a conversation, I know that after 20 minutes, I can help you gain so much more clarity of what is really going on with your health. What are the main problems to solve and what your next steps are? And that might be working with me. If I feel like I can help, I will let you know and you can decide and we can go through that. Or it might not be, but you will be clear on what are the next steps. I know so much of the time people are Googling, they're reading, they're getting contradictory advice. And in the, in the end, they're not making any progress, still feeling stuck. So I want to give you this for free. Help give you give you the gift of clarity. Cheesy as it sounds. So if you want one of these free calls, I'm making space in my calendar for two Each week, so it'll just roll on. And when each week's full up, they'll be booked up. And they'll be done on Zoom. And you can book in at Kezia Hall, K-E-Z-I-A, ha double com forward slash book so that's com forward slash book book in your free clarity call you can also find the link in the show notes on instagram i would love to chat with you these are really fun they're going to be really informative but also chilled zero pressure and um, yes we'll talk about working with me if i think honestly that's going to be a good fit and if you want to but these are not like i don't know high pressure calls they're meant to be fun they're meant to be helpful and i would love 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 for you to gain more clarity so that you can start solving the right problems in your body and in your health and therefore see results with more speed and more ease that's that's really what we want right so book your call kezuhall.com forward slash book b-o-o-k you can just go to kezuhall.com as well and you'll see at the top book a clarity call you can book in there i would love to chat with you i really really would so pause this right now, Pause, go book in, come back. Okay, I'm looking forward to chat and let's get on with today's episode. If you ever felt that your relationship with your body, your health, your well-being, that, that you feeling good feels hard, difficult, like a mountain one cannot climb if you've ever felt bad and blamed yourself for your lack of progress or just confused or just feeling like this whole health malarkey is just feeling difficult. Maybe you've not made the progress that you want to made or you think you should have made. This episode is going to help you because I want to share with you and just give you my perspective, I suppose, of the fact that the system has actually been against you and so the context that your body that you exist in has not made it easy for you to been well has not let's be honest historically for the last couple of centuries women feeling well and good has not been remotely prioritized encouraged or cared about you know Women were just fighting to have the vote, to not be raped by people and there'd be no consequences, to own their own money, have a bank account in their own name. Like just some basic human rights is what we've kind of been working on. So you being well is like, it's been like, no, a woman's body has been for somebody else's sexual pleasure or to make babies. It's never really been hurt like yours if that makes sense until very recently and so it's still this like weird kind of navigating we don't have real role models for this we so we can just end up being like oh i just feel like this is so hard why is it so hard to like sort out my health and my eating and feel really good in my body and to just be well and feel resilient and strong and fit and healthy and not sucked into some dieting bullshit but just be well because I want to be well and I want to be an example to my kids and my daughters and people around me and I want to do all these things that I want to do that is is hard because it's this radical thing that people you probably haven't had loads of role models to show you and the system that you have actively been swimming in has made that hard has made it actively difficult And it's been against you. It's been rigged against you. So you feeling rubbish, having health issues, diagnoses, labels, not being well now is a really natural consequence of the system that is set up against you. So that's kind of what I want to talk about, really. Um, In the hope that, A, you have some compassion for yourself, that you realize, oh, (laughs) this is the soup that I've been swimming in, oh. Yeah, I can see why it would feel really hard for me. Okay, have such compassion. And in this episode, I'm specifically mainly talking about female bodies, you know, people with an XX DNA chromosome, you know, going on, but this would be even more so with um, black people or people of color or different that basically aren't straight white females This is going to be even harder, even more oppression, even much more of the system rigged against you. Because if you're a black female, then there's all this stuff that I'm talking about. And you were also sold into slavery not that long ago. And, you you know, all of the massive layer of racism and other aspects and also ableism and all of the isms. So I'm talking about specifically female bodies and health. This is not the end of the conversation. I'm just focusing in on my little section of that, the place that I feel like I can talk to with more authority. But we all know there's a lot more other systems that are rigged against you. And potentially you listening to this, you might tick all the boxes. And so everything has been really difficult for you. I am a straight white woman, so I've had lots and lots of privileges, but I still feel... The resistance, I still am aware of like, wow, this has been against me, this has been against me. But if I was a black woman, I'm sure I would have threefold, tenfold, a hundredfold of that. Um, So just to point that out. So it's really important, A, that you have compassion on yourself, and B, when you can understand, if you want to sort out your own health, you need to understand the context of your body. As a holistic nutritionist, this is what I do all the time. It's like, the whole body, yes, the systems of each of your systems working together, but also your whole body within your whole life. Like what is the context of something? And this is a really important aspect of this. And it really helps you to make change from a really sustainable place as well, because it goes from being this conversation of like, I should, I should, to oh, I get to. This is available to me right now. This is something that I get to do that my ancestors, you know, my great, great grandma probably would never have had access to. Why? Because no one cared. It wasn't important. It wasn't a priority. No one was bothered. She'd made babies. That was it. And it's something I think we need to give ourselves just be more aware of because I think it really unlocks something in us gives us that depth of empathy and compassion for ourselves for our bodies for our history I know speaking of my own um, female line what I know of it is just rife with like abuse and disempowerment there's not like you know people's life is different but for me being free in my body and well and financially independent and working and not and being equal with my husband and owning my own house and having my own bank account and my own credit card. And that's like new, you know, that my grandma didn't have that. I didn't know my great grandma, but I'm pretty sure she didn't have that that things have changed. And so it's time that we apply this and we look at this and we look through the lens of our bodies and our health so that we can really see how, why it's been hard, And also how much of a revolutionary and impactful act this is in terms of your own freedom and and those around you. You know, if you have your own children or want to have your own children, this is something that I have never seen done before. I've never seen um, in terms of thinking like there's not role models for me of growing up of healthy, well women that really prioritize their own health and their own well-being growing up I saw women caring about their weight and dieting culture and I saw women um, on the martyrdom of motherhood and burning out and being really unhappy and not caring about their bodies what they look like how they're dressed how they looked after themselves and just kind of you know that kind of like faded worn away mum <laughs> and maybe that's just the context I grew up in but hey so that's why I want to talk about this because this is a system this is the world this is our culture that we have been in and it's in terms of you in a female body and your health it's been set up against you it's been made really you feeling good has been made really hard it's not like it sounds like really obvious like yeah because yeah, of course feeling of course I know how to feel good in my body uh, no mm, don't know don't know if you do we've never been taught it we don't have any role models for it it's not been prioritized it's not been encouraged women have been encouraged to help support care for give be quiet be thin don't make a scene those are things we've been encouraged to do not to be well cultivate our own health be strong cultivate our own resiliency listen to our bodies own our bodies fight for our bodies no those aren't things we've been our bodies have anyway i'm diving into my next points i'm gonna rain back and i'm gonna dive in because i've got five different points here and as you can tell, I feel slightly passionate, so I, I do have a structure, otherwise I will rant on. But when it comes to the system being against you, what do I mean by that? And I have five different points that I just kind of want to give you as offerings. You know, I am not, um, you know, women's history is not something I studied at uni. These are just Kezia's reflections. <laughs> so you can do with this as you will. Okay, number one, when it comes to women and you feeling good and your health, the biggest, one of the biggest things of why uh, it's, the system is rigged against you is there's a massive data gap. Like just practically speaking in the literature, in research, in medicine, there's just a big ass gap. <laughs> why? People don't fund research for women and a lot of the time that's because people, you know, with experimental stuff, you don't want to make a woman infertile. So, most research that is done on women is done on postmenopausal women, but I mean, surely there's ways around that, people. Come on now. And so, historically or medically speaking, sorry, women often get um, treated a bit like just a small version of a man. There's a great book called Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez, I think is how you pronounce her name. That is a great book. And this is not just about medical kind of data gap, it's about a, mm, mm, sorry, lost my words, a vast, data gap in our entire society where everything is built for a male physiology brain and system not for women's brain and women are just expected to adapt pivot and pander to male whatever bodies systems or whatever there's a massive gap another great example is if you think about viagra so the drug viagra that helps with erectile dysfunction I have no problem with um, men having access to support that helps them to have erections and pleasure and sex. That's a great thing. Great. Wonderful. Yay. But billions, billions has been spent on these medications. Now, is there a female equivalent or has there been? Has that How much research has gone into a female equipment Because we know that women reaching orgasm is, is a problem for a lot of women. I don't actually know in the data, but I would guess, <clears throat> hazard to guess, that it's more so than <clears throat> erectile dysfunction. Some women go their whole lives having orgasms like five times, which is insane. But you think about, okay, so if billions has gone into men's erectile dysfunction, um, okay, how much has gone into to women's pleasure? how much, how much did, you... oh, tumbleweed, it's only recently, I'm aware of one company that I've invested a decent amount in looking into, this is just around drugs, and um, of around female pleasure, billions on male pleasure, nothing on female pleasure, again, another thinking about this is hormones, so all females cycle and bleed, it is what humanity depends on, Do we have a lot of medication options, a lot of research around women's health and hormones? Heavy periods, no periods, really painful periods, like periods that maybe last for 14 days. Like You'd think, okay, let's have loads of ongoing research into that. Endometriosis, PCOS. Is there tons and tons of research? No. No, there isn't. Is there lots of medication options? No. No, there isn't. Is this is something that is essential for a woman's life and has a massive impact on her quality of life her pain levels all of these things yes it is is a man getting a, an, an erection essential for his life no it's not but what gets prioritized viagra does <clears throat> not um research into endometriosis and creating drugs for that no why the underlying message is women's bodies don't it doesn't matter it doesn't care we don't care about it it's not necessary The medical system has primarily been, in my opinion, a male-oriented system, a a system that is supported by this patriarchal thinking of men come at the center, and that is displayed in its research, sometimes as well as displayed in how you are treated as a female, depending on who you work with. I have experienced, and this could just be my own experience, so this is, you know, not necessarily data-based, but I've just been very patronized. Oh, you must just be anxious. You must just be tired. And then when I've gone privately and done private testing, tests that I have been refused to through the medical system because I've just been told I'm stressed and anxious, then in my own private testing, oh, oh, I discover, no, my thyroid is off. Oh, my vitamin D is low. This is happening. This, 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 this is going on. But I've had to fight for that for myself because I was just like, mm, you're, just down. you're just like an anxious person, like... His, do, you want, do you want an antidepressant? Whereas I'm like, no, I don't want an antidepressant. I think there's something wrong with my body. Can you test it? No, I think you're fine. And turns out, which one's right? <laughs> Me. <laughs> so first of all, there's a data gap. A big data gap. Hopefully this is changing over time. Another great example is... Um, I can't remember who this was. This was something I heard in a podcast, but another way of saying this is there was a doctor who's training as a neurosurgeon. So doing surgery on people's brains, She was in a training, she was in a surgery, um, she was doing surgery on a male's brain and the person there with her supervising it or however it is, was saying, right, we're doing this complicated procedure, really make sure these nerve endings, these things here, you do not want to mess, you do not want to damage with, because it will really affect this patient's sexual pleasure. This whole area, you've got to stay really clear of, really protect it, because obviously it will impact their sexual pleasure for the rest of your life and you you, you really don't, don't want to mess with that for this poor patient totally understandable so right that that is known and obviously taught to this training neurosurgeon so she's like okay super careful obviously they are the surgery goes well and so at the end of the surgery because she is a female um, training neurosurgeon she's like okay cool where is that And a woman's brain is that the same area same place like how does that work because obviously when i'm doing surgery on women i want you know i want to we i want to make sure that i don't interrupt that there was no answer for her No one knew. No one had bothered to research. Why? The underlying idea is women's bodies, women's pleasures, women's sexuality, women feeling good. Eh, doesn't really matter. And it turned out the rest of the story is she then was outraged at this and went on and did loads of research and has now figured out the female equivalent. So it's all well in the end. But there's a big data gap. And I think when you can know this, this can just help you to be like, oh. Okay, it just helps you to take some of the blame off yourself. And I'm not saying you need to like blame the system and rage against it. But it can just help. This so often when it comes, women, when it comes to their health, they really make it all their fault. It's all their fault. It's my fault I've got diabetes. It's my fault I'm fat. It's my fault my hormones are awful. It's my fault, my fault, my fault, my fault I'm addicted to sugar. Yeah, you do need to take personal responsibility. You do. The choices, the habits you have on a day-to-day basis have a consequence. And that can be a really healthy consequence or it can have a negative consequence. But also the soup that you've been swimming in hasn't been set up for your success. So you can be a bit kinder to yourself. And I highly recommend you be incredibly kind to yourself because, FYI, no one has ever criti- criticized themselves into health. <laughs> Just putting it out there. (laughs) Okay, so that's the first point. There's a data gap. Highly recommend you go and read that book. You might have to read it in small segments like I did because I got too angry. But, you know, it was really good. Next thing is women's bodies. You know, women's bodies, I just put this title for this point of it's complicated. So our relationships to our bodies is really complicated. The cultural and societal depiction and relationship of women's bodies is complicated historically if we think about history women female bodies have been bought and sold through marriage like business transactions so you gained title lands money um even businesses all of these kind of things um offspring through the business transaction that was marriage if a woman a woman didn't necessarily have a choice legally in who she married um, there was no, historically, we're talking um, many years ago, there was no, um, nothing to protect her within marriage. She was very much bought and sold property, marriage being the transaction of that. Um, and it's only really recently have we really had ownership of our bodies, where we could um, have a say in what took place in us. And you could argue that that is slowly being challenged in the world as Various laws and um, body autonomy is, is in, in women's body, if you think about abortion, women don't really have the right to say what goes on in their body. That's still something that the certain governments in, in America, and I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but in lots of countries that is still not the case where women don't have a say. You know, it's the male authority figure in their life that gets to say medically what happens to them or all of these kinds of things. So it's complicated Um, Women haven't, um, have always been, through media, been very objectified um, and really sexualized. So um, even if you look back at old paintings, you know, I studied a lot of art history in my fine art degree, which was my undergraduate degree. It was a lot of sexualization of women um, and objectification, you could argue, even through art. Um, Some people argue that a lot of uh, famous artworks like the beginnings of pornography because that was what was accessible that was the media of the time um I'm not necessarily saying I think that but there's a lot there is a big argument for that and it's this idea of a woman's body being sexualized but as soon as a woman for herself owns her sexuality and her body then she is called a a whore a slut historically would be cast onto the streets you know because her body's not her own her sexuality her sexual organs aren't for her they're for somebody else then it's not for you to feel pleasure this is for me to take from you women's body has always been about been about taking taking pleasure taking children to extend your own family name offspring workers for your business wherever it is a woman's body is about other people full stop So it's only really recently, in the last couple of decades, like it was only, what, like three decades ago, a woman could even have her own bank account or a mortgage in her own name without some bloke signing it for her. Like, it's just, it's wild. And it's incredible that we live in these times, but it can just be helpful to just remember a bit of history. You know, this is where we've come from and it wasn't that long ago. But a woman owning her body is is new, you know? So our natural response to this, this complicated thing that is our body, a woman's body, is to just disconnect, to numb, to ignore your body, to blame it, to hate it, to treat it it like crap, just because it's not yours anyway and everyone else abuses it or at least has a say in it. So what's the point? So it's a really, it's a really new thing that we're navigating about. Okay, my body, it's mine my sexuality is mine. It's not for other people. My health is mine. It's mine. It's for me. These hormones are for me. This body is for me. This brain is for me. This is my body. My body. It's a new thing and it has a really complicated history. So when it comes to health, this totally impacts our health. Because why would you care for something? Why would you care and invest and prioritize your body if it is not yours? Think about um, how people treat a house versus whether they rent it or own it. When you rent a house, you don't massively take care of it. You're not super bothered about it. If you own a house and you've invested in some wonderful wallpaper, you're going to take care of it. You're going to make sure stuff doesn't mark it. If you live in a rented house, you don't care. It's not yours. If you, if your relationship to your body is like rent, rented, I'm renting this body here on earth. It doesn't really matter. Also, there's whole spiritual aspects to this of like, you know, depending on if you grew up in a religious household, it's like your flesh is evil, (laughs) essentially, of the devil. Then you're going to be like, well, this body's just renting. It's my spirit. That's the most important thing or my soul or whatever. No, your body, you as a whole being. But most women treat their bodies like it's some rented property. Not that it is your dream house. Your dream house. Yeah, it probably needs some renovation. But you can do that and you can make it how you want to do. But you have to learn how. You don't just like buy a house that's a wreck and then be like, well, I instantly know how to renovate it. No, you have to get builders in and quotes and learn and YouTube videos. But women's bodies, it's a complicated relationship. I've only just literally touched the surface of it. But you can see how there's like a whole minefield around bodies, health, sexuality, ownership, responsibility. It's huge. Okay, so that's point number two. Number three is food. The food system is big business. And that can be against you. So when we think about our food it can be really helpful to just remember that food is a system. Unless you are very self-sustaining and grow and raise your own, or like 90% of your food, which most people I know don't, then your food is based on a bigger food system. And a really simple way, and just to remember this, is food is primarily about profit these days. It didn't used to be. Food primarily was much smaller. We didn't have that industrialized Um, globalization of food that we do now it used to be more like you know my both sets of my grandparents both in um, ran a corner shop at certain points and so people would come in every day for their eggs and bread and milk and back in the war you would most people had like chickens um and maybe you'd have like a cow within a community like it was a much smaller um network your food System was often way smaller. Now it is global. Now we have avocados and bananas and things flown in from um, (laughs) Chile, Mexico, South Africa, all of these kinds of things. Now, there's no judgment on that, but that is just what it is. Um, And I think often, and this is a whole podcast episode in itself, but we often naively think that if a food is in a supermarket, then it's going to do us good. Like it's a good food to have, if that makes sense. There could be nothing further from the truth. Food in a supermarket, and I shop at supermarkets. So again, this isn't a judgment on going to a supermarket. I do my weekly shop at a well-known supermarket, um, but the f- majority of the food there, then m- that the main focus of that food is often profit margins and extending their profit margins. So how do you, how does a food company? increase their profit margins. You either do it by charging more for the item of food and or you reduce the cost of making it. Most people go with reducing the cost of making it. How do you reduce the cost? Make the ingredients for it cheaper. So what does that mean? Cheap ass ingredients increase the profitability of a food. So if you, the majority, the food system that we live in is about maximizing profits. Now, there is companies that um, maybe B Corps and these kind of things that aren't as much of that, but they're not the big players that, that go on in this. And this can just be really helpful. Again, when you go to the supermarket, it can be hard and difficult. The system of the supermarket is set up against your health. It is focused on... Money and profit. Now, I love money. I think money is great. I think businesses are designed to make a profit. I don't have a problem with that. But it can be helpful to know when I go into the supermarket, I know the majority of the food there is about, is trying to win me over so that they can get profit. Not, It's not winning me over because it's so good for me. Because it's going to do me so much good. And you could argue that's not the business's responsibility. My body, my business, I should know and get to learn of what, not should, but I, you know, they're not responsible for what I choose to eat. I'm responsible for that. But we kind of hand over this responsibility and be like, oh, supermarkets, just tell me what to eat. If you say this is on good and on offer, then it will do me good. No, supermarkets are designed to make a profit. If you think about the world, what are the most money-generating industries? There's obviously arms, you know, weapons, <laughs> pharmaceuticals, drugs, making drugs, making medicine um, is a big profit, and food. Those are your big, big money makers in the world. And again, this, I really, I don't mean to sound like super cynical, I'm not passing judgment, but again, that's the system in which we live. So when you go to the shop, it's really, and I know it's easier to do this if you just can like hand over your responsibility to the supermarket and the food companies. It can't be that bad, otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be allowed to be food. Mm, no, that's not true. It can't be that bad. Yeah, no, it can. It can. Because the supermarket's primary objective is not your well being, it's profit. And there might be well being up there, but Primarily, most of these big food businesses, these food companies, these big brands want to maximize their profits, and they do that by using poor quality ingredients, by using things like seed oils, rapeseed oils, industrialized meat, fillers, artificial ingredients, colorings, flavorings, all of these things, because real food that tastes really good is more expensive. Putting butter into something is way more expensive than putting rapeseed oil or sunflower seed oil, vegetable oils, or hydrogenated oils into it. But all of those seed oils are terrible for you. So food, it's for profit. It's a system that is set up for profit these days um, if you shop at a supermarket. Which is why partly one of my big goals in life is just to become more self-sustaining. I Even saying that out loud feels a bit overwhelming, but I really want to learn how to do that. Even if I can just be like 25% self-sustaining because... Um, this it's a if also if you think about it our massive supermarket culture is a really recent thing as well this wasn't happening 60 years ago 70 years ago it's like my grandparents they weren't going into these massive massive supermarkets it was much more local um and so it's a really big shift and i think it's not helping our health just put it simply but you again this can be really helpful when you go into a supermarket. Sometimes I feel really overwhelmed going into a supermarket, mainly because there's so many choices and it's decision fatigued. And it's all like, buy, they, buy me, buy me, buy me, buy me. And I'm like, oh, this can hopefully give you permission, you know? And just to to know, okay, when I go to a supermarket, right, most of the food being marketed to me, I, I think about this with kids. Look at kids, food marketed to kids. So much of processed food marketed to kids from a nutritionist perspective is poor. <laughs> it's poor food. It's filled rapeseed oils, all these kids crisps that don't get called crisps, but are essentially crisps, filled with seed oils. Most of pouches that you buy, like have zero protein in zero healthy fat. It's just carbs, 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 fruit syrup, fruit syrup, fruit syrup. Like, anyway, (laughs) I'm like, please, can we have some companies that like promote decent (laughs) food for our children? Anyway, but you could argue that's not the company's responsibility. That's my responsibility. But It's really helpful knowing that the food system also makes it difficult for you. Okay, so you can have some compassion there. You can have some understanding there and that can be useful. Okay, fourth thing, money, money. Women have only been able to own a house and have a bank account and have their own money probably recently as within the last 50 years. And if you don't have money, you don't get, you don't always get a say in how it's spent or whose body, whose health, whose well-being is prioritized. If you don't have the money, then whoever has the money is gonna is gonna decide who is invested in, whose health is prioritized, who is going to be, um, uh, whose health is gonna go first. And so we could kind of go back to that Viagra example. Who's had the money, then? How have they invested the money in lots of Viagra research, anything into. Uh, female reproductive health oh no why there wasn't any females on that table saying hey guys the only, the only reason you all exist here is because your mom had a healthy period um so we need to research this or we'll go back to that neurosurgeon example um the the male neurosurgeon training here, i just i, I don't know if it was unlikely that it was an intentional thing that he deliberately didn't want to find out the nerve endings for women no he probably just didn't He's a man, he didn't think about it. She was a female, she was at the table. She thought about it, she did the research, it happened. So money is a big reason. Women not having access to money or feeling like, especially if someone doesn't earn the money in their household, they can feel like because they don't earn it, they don't have an equal say in how it is spent, which I think is absolute BS. Um, and again, this depends on how you run your household, but women having ownership of their money, whatever however it comes to your household, I think is really, really important. But I could harp on about that. But I've talked a bit about money on this podcast. So money is a big thing. Um when you have money, then you can decide, yes, I'm gonna invest in this. I'm gonna prioritize my health. I'm 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 saying this is important. Money helps. It helps along the way. And so that again could be difficult. Maybe you are um you're like your household manager. You don't have any formal, employed income. You manage your household and do all of that work. And maybe you feel bad that you don't earn money, and so you don't make asks on the money that comes into your household through your partner. You don't feel like it's yours. I would argue it totally is. The only reason that person can work is because you're taking care of everything. Yeah? But it's a it's just a big thing. All of these topics are massive. Okay, the fifth and final reason the system has been rigged against you is when is when we have been talked and taught about our bodies and the thing that has been encouraged or emphasized in terms of women's bodies has primarily been our weight and our looks so the one conversation we are we haven't our health isn't prioritized all these kind of things haven't been prioritized but what has been prioritized and brainwashed and communicated in a relentless fashion, is that women are meant to be a certain size, a certain aesthetic, a certain weight. We cannot be fat. We cannot be too thin. We cannot be too tall. We cannot be too small. We can't have too big boobs. We cannot have too small boobs. We can't have a big belly. But we need to have a little bit of belly. We cannot have no curves, but we can't have too much curves. We can't have too pale skin. We can't have too darker skin. We can't have too much body hair, but we also don't want too little body hair. Uh, <laughs> our body the message that we do get and have gotten about our body is primarily about our looks and our weight and our size and that whole dieting, weight, body, image, brain, whatever. You know, that does that, that does not help <laughs> this conversation. It does not help because we're like, yeah, you know, because yeah, I think about my health. Yeah, yeah I would think, but it's probably in the context of dieting, isn't it? Yeah, that's what's you. That's what been witnessed. I've had role models that have dieted their whole lives. I've been taught how to diet. Have I been taught how to be healthy? No, of course not, because my health doesn't matter. But what does matter is that I stay at a small size, that I don't be too big and I don't be too thin and that I must be an adhere to the specific body size so that I am acceptable and attractive to other people in the world. I have so many role models around dieting eating less, being less, being small, shrinking. Not for my health, but to fit in, to be acceptable. And that really, yeah, going against that system is hard because often people throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're like, dieting culture is so toxic, which it is. So they just are like, but then they then they just ignore their health. It's like, well, if I'm not going to care about my weight, then I'm also not caring about my health and my mental well-being and my body and my longevity and my inflammation and my cellular health. They just dump it all out there. Caring for your health is not dieting. It's about stewarding your body because your body is the only way you exist. I would often say sometimes this body positivity movement is actually just an extended version of the numbing, the disassociation, the disconnection, the ignoring of people's body to a whole other degree. They're just totally ignoring it, totally ignoring their weight was, yeah, their weight and diet and everything they know about dieting culture is wrong, but their weight is a biomarker you want to take note of, but it doesn't mean all the things we've been told it means. It just means like, oh, okay this happening in your biology let's deal with that so those are the five reasons for why the system has been rigged against you why it's maybe felt hard and I just want you to take a deep breath and just feel whatever it is that you feel in your body I know this might make you angry this might make you hopeless might make you sad but and those things are okay But I really hope that you can just see how um, compassion and empathy can really win here. And you are doing an incredible job at being here. Just being here. Being here, listening to this podcast, caring enough to listen to my podcast, caring enough to listen, to work on your health is incredible. You are incredible. It's incredible that you have come and fought this far for your health. Isn't it like, I sometimes think about all these things and just wonder why I don't just like, I'm a heap in the corner, like crying hysterically, which to be fair, sometimes I am. Um, But there's so many reasons for why it's felt hard and complicated and overwhelming. And what do we do with this? Well, we're each unique, but my opinion is, well, the thing that came to mind when I was preparing this, there's a poet called Dylan Thomas, who I really love. And I'm pretty sure one of his poems, um... There's a line that goes, um, we will rage against the dying of the light. So, what's our response to this? Rage, rage against the system. How? What does that look like? By prioritizing, investing, connecting with, and healing and loving your body, your health, your ovaries, your skin, your gut, your belly, your mind. Your stomach, your lungs, your uterus, your liver. How do we how do we come against this? By doing the very opposite thing that you've been told and brainwashed and conditioned and modeled to. Doing the very opposite, which is to be well, to thrive, to heal, to feel good in your mind body and soul that has never been something that has been encouraged in our world and so you doing that you learning getting the right support teaching guidance test results whatever it is to create that it's a radical thing and it's a privilege that we get to do it now i know it wasn't really an option really for my grandma definitely wasn't for my great grandma but it is for me and i'm i'm doing my best i'm not going to be perfect But I'm going to rage against this. I want to be well. I want to be well so that my daughters, they know what it looks like to not survive, to not be a martyr, to not be obsessed with my weight. But how to look after and steward my body. How to cultivate this thing that is health as much as possible, you know. How to look after my body. I want to teach them how to do that. To know about their cycles, their hormones, to celebrate it. But I need to do that for me first. And that has been, this reclamation has been going on for over a decade now. And it'll keep on going. And I'm okay with that. So I hope this is helpful. And also, just to make it really clear, this is also the reason why so many of us need support and help. We need a guide. We need a coach. We need teaching. We need to learn. We need guidance. We need help with this. I need help with this. You need help with this. And if you feel called, I am here if you need me. You can work with me in two ways at the moment. I'm offering some summer retreats. As of recording this, I currently have three spots left, which is like a much lower cost um, and introduction way of working with me one-on-one just over the summer of 2022. And then I have my four-month one-to-one program. So you can find out all about that at keziahull.com. You'll see the retreat option and the work with me option. But I'd love to work with you on this. And we can get really geeky and personalized and all of that sort of stuff. But we need help with this. This can feel hard. And it makes sense for why it's hard. But it's so powerful when you do. It's like radical. It's revolutionary. It's a bit wild. (laughs) And I'd love to help. Okay, I hope this has been helpful. Sending you lots of love. And I'll speak to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm so glad that you are here. And if you're looking for more in-depth, personalized support, then remember, I'm currently taking on new clients, so we could get started working together super soon. So head to kesiahall.com forward slash book to book in your call with me, and we'll just chat it through what it looks like, what it would look like for you, and answer all of your questions, and you can decide if it's a good fit. So head to kesiahall.com forward slash book, book in your call with me, and we can chat super soon on Zoom, which would be really fun. It'd be like a podcast, but where you can reply... (laughs) which is always fun so I would love to chat with you so head to keziohall.com forward slash book and we can just chat it through this is a really chilled informal chat no pressure no weird weird sales techniques just a chat on zoom and feel free to bring a cup of tea okay I look forward to speaking to you soon bye